Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. I'm going to not really read a text. I'm going to let you be seated here in just a moment, but we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 6. And I'm just going to talk to us for the next little bit from this title, The Story of a Borrowed Axe. The Story of a Borrowed Axe. I'm sure you're very familiar with the story, but we're going to try to unpack it a little bit for you today and and, uh, see some things that maybe feel the Lord wants to share with us. So turn in your Bibles, and I'm going to let you be seated. God bless you. 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, we're going to jump in right at verse number one. And uh, they might throw it up on the screen, 2 Kings 6 and 1. The Bible, the story starts out, and it says that the, the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Does that sound familiar to anybody? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. This was, a, this was a school of the prophets. There was a school of ministry, basically, and it was a, it was a training ground for people who wanted to be used to serve God. And, you know, you know your Bible, Elijah, he, he used to think that he was the only, Elijah used to think he was the only one that loved God. You know, the only, I'm the only one out here. And it, sometimes it's easy to think um, that sometimes I'm, I'm the only one, right? I'm the only, and, and God's, God's like, no, there's really so much more and there's so many more that you don't even know about. I'm doing so much more in the world that you're not even aware of. And so Elisha began to um, devote himself to training up all of the other ones and all the other people who loved God. And so there's this, there's this ministry school going on, and this, this, uh, this school was obviously growing because the sons of the prophets came, and they're like, hey, we're not ungrateful. We just don't have the space. We are running out of room. We need some more room. And I love it because at one point, obviously, the house was sufficient, uh, for them, but they, at this time, they're growing out of it. You know, some of us have grown out of things that we used to fit in quite nicely, right? Um, but there is, and you might say, oh man, this shirt doesn't fit me anymore. There's actually great power in recognizing when you no longer fit in something that you're trying to fit in. It's not, it's not, it's not that it's bad, it's just that you've grown and you're moving on to the next phase. And so here they're saying, hey, we need better accommodations. We, we need more room. We need more space. But the, and these ministers, they, they said, we don't, we don't really want to complain, but we need more space. And if you look at verse number two, um, I, I love this. They didn't just bring a problem. They actually brought a solution. They said, please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there. And let us make there a place where we may dwell. Elisha answered, go. Isn't that great, those of you who are leaders, when someone who doesn't just bring to you a problem, but is also proactive and thinks of a solution. If you really want to help your boss and, 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 and make your boss's day, 
Don't just come into their office with problems about the organization. Maybe do some thinking on your own time and present some options when you go in to have a conversation. Anybody can point out that things aren't going right, but very few people actually think, oh, maybe there's a solution to this. Maybe I can help fix the problem. Verse number three, then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I'll go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. We don't talk like that anymore, but it's pretty cool to read it in scripture. Alas, master, it was borrowed. And so the Bible says the man of God, the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed in the place, so he cut off a stick and he threw it in there and he made the iron float. That's why they wanted Elisha to come with them on this little field trip. He was a handy guy to have around in the pinch, right? So verse number seven says, therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel, the Bible says, and he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. And the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him. He was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, verse 11, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to him, said to them, will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? He thought he had a traitor in his midst, but he didn't. One of his servants says, none, my Lord. We're, we're all on your team, right? The Bible says, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. I mean, he was dialed in. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. That's code for kill him, FYI. And when it was told him, saying, well, he's in Dothan, which is about 12 miles from Samaria. I know this is a lot of scripture, and we're going to do our best to jump in and, and figure it out. But the Bible goes on and says, therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Elisha's servant said, Alas, my master, sound familiar? What shall we do? See, this is much bigger than an axe head flying off and landing in water. We're about to lose our heads here. So verse 16 says, So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck him with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. You read these two stories, and to me, they don't seem like they belong to be connected at all, to connect to, be connected to each other, right? That it's almost like you're, 
you're reading the one as like the axe head is such a very small, insignificant thing, event that is happening. Why would, why would you even bother God with this simple little thing? You know, this is like, this doesn't even belong in scripture. Why are we even putting it in? I mean, were we trying to make the Bible just a little bit longer? Let's add this story in here. It doesn't seem to fit. And then you see the other story that's connected to it. And it's like such a big deal. It's a big thing. And, and, and what are we really to make of this? Why are these stories connected? Uh, just this past, within the past seven, eight days, I was recruited to help Morgan and Christian move away to Branson. And I guess that's what the Bible means when it says instant in season and out of season. Be in shape and ready to help your friend move uh, that's why old men have bad backs, right? Because in the young age, everybody's like, you're strong and able. We need you to come and lift the heavy stuff. We can't do it. So I was recruited to come over. And uh, thankfully, by the time I made it over there after work, a lot of the stuff had been completed except for the grill smoker combo with the blackstone griddle top that was on it and the safe that had 28 guns in it. And uh, so it's like, we've got this stuff, but, you know, we need you for that stuff. And so uh, you, ever, you ever helped a friend move before? What joy is that, right? I mean, just, just a really good time, right? I have a strategy, I think, that will help somebody. Just on the first time you get recruited, maybe just break a couple things. You know, just, oops, just dropped your lamp or something like that. Maybe you won't be asked to come over the second time or on the second move. I have moved some uh, wild stuff before, some very heavy stuff. Tomas and I are keeping tabs on who owes who what because he's helped me move over a desk that was bigger than my house and, and a piano before. But I helped him lift a couch in his house that weighed more than my truck. So uh, we're kind of even and, and our backs aren't really as, as good as they once were. But, you know, it's funny whenever you help people move stuff and we've carried some heavy stuff before. But one of the things that you definitely don't want to happen is to drop something, to let something slip through your fingers, right? We were hauling that safe out of Morgan and Christian's house. Thankfully, I borrowed my neighbor's, like, I don't know what they call them. They're just, I just call them lifting straps, where you put them on like a harness. The strap goes underneath, and you use leverage, right, to lift up the safe. That was all good and well till we had to go down the stairs. And we're trying to figure out how do we do this? Like, and it started to slip just a little bit, but I knew I didn't want this thing to drop. I would risk my L3 and L4 just to make sure that this safe was going to arrive in Branson. Let them damage it getting off the truck, but you're not going to damage it on Bryce's moving construction team, whatever. So, we, we've got all this going on. You definitely don't want stuff to slip, right? Stuff to fall. And it got me thinking about that. I was just thinking about the story. You know, what about, what about spiritually speaking when something's slipping through or you feel like something is slipping through your grasp or maybe emotionally, you know, what about whenever, and I'm think, I think we can all agree we have those times where we feel like we don't really have a grip on what is going on around us. I think one of the biggest things that COVID taught us is that, that unexpected things are going to happen. They're going to take place. And you walk through and you're like, I don't really have a handle on this. I don't really know what is going on. Um, I don't know you know, what about when you just feel that sensation of 
I'm trying my hardest. It's just going through my hands. It's slipping through. I'm losing my edge just a little bit, maybe. I feel like my grip on reality is the, is the problem. I mean, have you ever caught yourself saying to yourself, get a grip? Get a grip. Preaching to yourself. You know, when things are not in your control and you're trying to figure it out, you have those moments of, this is more than I can bear. This is more than I signed up for. And we think about all of the things in life, the pressure, the demands, the relationships, caring enough for all the people that we are attached to in some way or another, and, and making sure that we as an individual have enough to give. But sometimes it feels like life and what we have to give, the two just are not compatible. So what do you do when you feel like your, your grip on everything, on reality, is slipping away? What do you do when something is just has flown from your hands? And I think this story, we find some lessons that I feel can apply to our lives that my hope today is that it will snap us out of those moments when we feel like we're slipping, like we're sliding, like we're losing a grip on the situation. Um, the, the first thing I, I notice in this story, um, and jot this down if you want to, is that little things can cause big problems. You know, most of the time it will not be the big things in our lives that bring us down. I think for the most part, we have a pretty good, we have a pretty good handle on the big stuff, uh, the big things in our lives, I think we've got a pretty good grip on those things, you know. It's not going to be those things that bring us down. It's going to be the slow, steady accumulation of small things, little things. It's the, it's the pinpricks that we experience as we go through life, you know. And naturally, uh, when we feel like we are at, a, at that place where we feel like things are slipping through our hands, we tend to think, this is all because of something big in our lives. That it's, and we start to point fingers of what it could be. Why is this happening? It's the, it's the big issue. And I think God would tell us, no, that's actually not the problem. Because typically we learn how to deal with the big things. Those usually aren't the problems. We can tackle the big stuff pretty easily, but it's the little, it's the little things. It, it, it was just the accumulation of demands on your life. It was, the, it was the yes that you gave when maybe you should have prayed about it and eventually arrived at the, at the no, right? It's the small things. It was, it, it, it's, it's taking the time to be quiet in prayer before a difficult season. In this situation that we're reading about, that we're looking at this morning, we find a guy who is stressed out out over this action. It was a little thing, but it led to a big problem. Why? Because now he's got to pay for this axe head because he borrowed it. He, he lost an axe, so he's not only getting behind on the work project, but he's got to go back to the guy that he borrowed it from, and he's got to make it 
right. Exodus 22 says this, that if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies or accidentally gets chucked in the pond, he shall surely make it good. Okay? So he's thinking, I got to make this right. I got to make this good. And apparently, loose axe heads was a real issue in that day because there was even a law given in the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy 19. It says, when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber and his hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down the tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of these cities and live. I mean, maybe they need some better technology with their axes back in this day, but I find this amazing. God thought of everything, right? But this guy's panicking because I got I to gotta replace the axe. And so I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to get some money to pay for this. But then I still haven't cut down a tree. And so he's just, it's this little things that's causing this big problem and little things can cause big problems so little things that can make a huge difference in somebody's life we think it's just a small thing insignificant this is not a big deal but over time they can result in disaster they can result in some huge dilemma in our lives that's the first thing i notice another thing for you to consider is this Bad things happen when you're out doing good. This text is reassuring to me because this guy wasn't here making a mess. He's actually trying to build a house for missionaries. This is, I think we can all agree, is a good thing that he's doing. And now he's got this crisis, this dilemma on the way to doing good. You know, I think, I think sometimes we underestimate the, 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 the things that will come our way when we try and do good. When we are trying to serve God, when we are seeking to serve Him, we sort of expect sometimes, maybe we don't verbalize this, but I think in the back of our minds, we think, I'm doing this, I'm serving God, I'm faithful, I'm seeking God, I'm doing this work for His kingdom, and I'm doing all this thing, that, and because of that, God's going to look out for me. As, as, and we think it is as, as though God operates on, on some sort of karma. And, you know, if I put out enough good energy out there, good things are going to come back. And I have found that many Christians are stunned and surprised when the exact opposite happens. And as you begin to try and clean your life up, as you begin to try and make better decisions, you begin to try and serve God, telling somebody about Jesus, inviting someone to come with you to church, trying to encourage someone who's discouraged, you kind of are like expecting good to come back on you. And oftentimes, it's just the opposite. And we are surprised. But hear me, if we'll come to Jesus and take that issue to him and say, this is what I'm trying to do, I think Jesus would say, hey, hey, come here for a minute. Well, you know, look, look, look at this. You're trying to follow me, and what happened to me? The world killed me, and you're out there calling yourself a mini-me. What do you think is going to happen? 
We should not be surprised when the bad things actually come our way. But I think we should learn to rejoice in those moments because he let us know, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And, and maybe, just maybe, instead of asking, what wrong did I do? What wrong did I do that this hardship that's happened to me, maybe we could flip that around and ask the question, what did I do right that the enemy sees me as a threat? What did I do that was righteous that the enemy, because trust me, the devil doesn't waste his time with people who are actively on fire for God and seeking God and, and praying and doing the right things. On your way to do the right thing, sometimes bad things happen. Here's another thought. If it matters to you, it matters to God. I think we should all be encouraged by this, by this story in the Bible. Because I think God wants to emphatically say to us, I care about the small stuff in your life. I care about the insignificant things of your life. I think God cares about the fact, I mean small stuff. What do you mean by small stuff, Bryce? I think God emphatically cares about things that we would never even fathom that God even is mindful of. I think God, he's mindful of the fact that we can't find the matching sock two weeks in a row. I'm just pouring my life out to you here. Two weeks in a row. And, 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 and I think God cares about those things. I think God cares about the fact that you have a stain on your favorite shirt that came from a salad dressing because you're trying to make wise, healthy choices. And now it's just a reminder every time you look down. I think God cares about stuff like that. All I'm saying is just I'm thankful that God cares. And sometimes it's not the big stuff to me that really causes me to feel like I'm slipping and causes me to feel like I'm messing up. It's sometimes the smallest little thing. It's the small things in our life that have a way of completely throwing off our day. You know what I'm talking about because you have those mornings where it's just small things, but we make them into these giant mountains and all of a sudden we can't face the day and we can't go out and we can't do this and God, I can't face this. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm quitting. And I think God wants to stop us for just a moment and say, hey, it's just an axe head. It's, it's just. I, I know it's a I know it's a problem. I, I care because I care about you. I care about your day. I care about your week. I care about if it's big to you, it's big to God. If it matters to you, it matters to him. And God in the scriptures, he puts a man of God about to be killed by the assassins that are right next door. He puts him right next to this lost axe head. And Elisha deals with it. He deals with both situations with the same amount of intensity and faith. God cares. Nothing, nothing is too small and nothing is too big to him. If it matters to you, church, it matters to him. So I simply say, don't, don't, be, a, don't be afraid. Don't be worried about bringing your, what you would call petty things to him. 
Don't be worried about bringing your little scheduling conflict that you have, your, your relational thing to him. As you're honest with God, and maybe here's some advice, when you bring it to him and you put it in your hands, don't try to sanitize it. Don't try to sanitize your prayer life. And, you know, don't always come to God trying to use. I think sometimes we, we, we have a difficult time coming to God. If I'm being totally honest, I think that sometimes when we pray and we're trying to put stuff down in the hands of God, I think we try to make it prim and proper and and maybe a little King James-ish. And we try to say the right thing in the right way, in the right tone and, and say it just right so that we can have his attention. How about this? God, I'm just struggling. God, I'm angry. I'm struggling with this. I, I don't want to be angry. God, I don't want to feel this. I, God, I'm, I'm tempted right now. I'm dealing with some temptation, God. I, I, I'm, I'm frustrated right now. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit uh, uh, depressed right now. God, I feel like I'm all by myself and I'm struggling. Like, I'm just telling you, I think God would be like, thank you. I see exactly what you're talking. Thank you for being open and honest. God can handle. We think sometimes, oh, God's got bigger fish to fry. God's got, God, God's got to worry about the whole world and all of its issues and what's going on politically and what's going on globally. Listen, God can handle the axe head right next to all of the world's issues and problems. God can handle your small, what you feel is insignificant, right next to the world's disasters. God is God. He can handle it. If it matters to you, it matters to Him. Another idea is, is this. Of course, the title of my message is the story of a borrowed axe. This passage lets us know that everything in our hands is borrowed. I love that what the servant was carrying was, was, was not his, and he acknowledged it. The, the first thing that came out of his mouth, alas, my master, it was borrowed. It, it went into the water, and it, it, I, I, can't, I can't get it, I can't get it back. And I'm thinking about the owner of this act. I'm thinking about the fact that I've got to now go back to this guy who loaned me his axe head and be like, bro, I am such a terrible lumberjack. I lost your axe head. You know your favorite axe head? I lost that one. Sorry, I'm not really a Paul Bunyan here. I'm sorry. He's immediately thinking through the lens of, and this is important. I hope you get this. He's immediately thinking through the lens of what I have is a gift. What I had was borrowed. What I had was not mine. It was somebody else's. And I, I really believe that we should, we should be that way as well. In fact, John the Baptist gives us this. He said in John 3.27, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. So we should have that frame of reference in life 
No matter what it comes to, that boat, that house, that car, that scooter, your job, health, all of it, you know what it is, church? It's a gift. The air in your lungs is a gift from God. It is borrowed breath that you have in your lungs. You are not a self-made man. You are not a self-made woman. I realize that you might have made some good decisions along the way, but it's really hard to make uh, good decisions without breathing. And you didn't give yourself lungs. You didn't choose to be born in the year that you were born in to the family that you were born to. Everything that you have and are is a gift from God. In fact, Paul would remind us in 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why would you boast as though it were not a gift? So, not only does that uh, take us away from the place of uh, bragging because newsflash, whatever you did, it was with what he gave to you to do those things. And it puts you into a place of going, I, I can't really walk around like a big shot. I can't. Because what I have, what I was given, it was a gift. And you know what I did? All that I did was I used what he gave me. I used the gift that he gave me. That's why Jesus told his disciples, if you remember, when they came back from doing ministry, he's, he's like, hey, 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 hey. When you go out and do those things, don't you be moonwalking back in here like you're some pop star. But instead, you need to come back and, hey, we're just servants. And we did what we were told to do. Whether I was given one talent, two talent, or five, God, you know what God wants? A return on his investment. That's what God wants. God gave me this gift. How could I not use it? God gave this to me. How could I not use it? Here's the thing. God's given it to you. So you got you to gotta work you got to work out what he put in. That's what you should do. That's what we should do. But as we do so, we have to remember, and this is how you stay small in your own eyes. It was a gift. This wasn't something that I did. This was a gift that was given to me, and I'm just using what he gave me. Everything in our hands is borrowed. And I don't know if you know this or not, but that is such a freeing, empowering mindset to be in. It is actually rejuvenating to know that everything that you have in your hands is borrowed, and it all goes back in the box when the game is over. I think that will cause us to to focus our priorities and our perspectives when we don't get to stay on this earth infinitely as it presently is this is what we're going through right now this is timed right now and eventually time will run out and so we have a set period of time right now to do good works that God was dreaming about for each and every one of you and whether we honor him or not is entirely up to us but to the level and the extent that we remind ourselves that everything is his 
And it was for his purpose that was given to us that we will have peace and we will have purpose so long as we're still breathing. Moving on as our our music to come, I want to show you a couple more things. The first is this. God will help you recover what has been lost. Hey, when you lose your axe head, so to speak, in the water, and you go to him like like Elisha so lovingly said that he said, show me where you dropped it. When you go to Jesus and you say, this has happened, I think this is what he's going to say. Tell me about it. Tell me where you lost it. Tell me how this happened. What's he doing? What's Elisha doing? What's God doing? Elisha was causing the man to retrace his steps. He's like, all right, where, where, did you, where did you lose it at? Now, this muddy water, he can't see, so he's got to retrace his steps. And sometimes you doing that will help you to realize your own conclusion of what you did wrong. Retracing my steps so I can see. I was way, I was way too far from where I should have been. This way was way too close. This, there's way too much going on. Of course I feel like I'm slipping. Look at all these bad decisions. But that only happens when you retrace your steps when you, oh yeah, I can see that now. That was a bonehead decision. That was dumb. That was dumb. It's okay. We do dumb stuff. We all do. We all sin. Sin is just doing dumb stuff. You see that when you retrace your steps. Where did you lose it? God's saying to you when you tell him, I feel like I'm losing it, God. He's going, where? Where did you lose it? Where did you go wrong? What led you to this? God, it wasn't just one thing. It was this, and it was this, and this, and, 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 and you, and I feel like my hand is slipping. I feel, but God, hear me today. He can recover what's been lost. God cares about and sees and knows your need, but he can help you recover that lost confidence. He can help you recover your lost energy. He can help you, hear me somebody, recover your lost patience, your your lost temper. He can help you recover your lost self-control. God can help you get back whatever you lost. Encouraging somebody today, for those of you that feel like you've hit a wall, 
where you don't have the same passion for the things of God that you used to have, where you've lost maybe a little bit of your focus and you're not dreaming like you once used to. And to be honest, this is everyone at some point or another. You hit a wall in this journey, several walls where you feel, I'm not as passionate and on fire as I used to be. We will go through moments where we feel my axe head has flown off and it's somewhere, it's slipping I don't have the same level of dreams that I used to have and it's so important that we bring those statements to God God here is what I feel God here is what's happening and what's a wonderful is to watch the axe head begin to float back up above the water and to begin to watch God not belittle us and say how dare you how dare you not care? How dare you to, to bring this issue to me? Don't you understand what I have going on? Don't you know what's happening in the world? No, that's not his response at all. God's saying, where did you lose it? Where did it go? Where did it, where did it fly off at? Where did you lose it? I'll help you get it back. I'm daring you this morning to believe that the things that you've lost, that they matter to God and he can help you recover all. <laughs> and we are the beneficiaries. We just get to, we get to watch God give us new dreams, give us new vision. He can give us strength. He can renew our strength. Where did you lose it? Stand with me this morning if you would. Lastly, we read in our text this morning, and last point that I would want to share with you is this. What we can see is not all that there is. And this is why I believe he immediately connects back to something that was lost to a story where someone else needs to get a hold of things. Gehazi, Elisha's servant, goes out to get the paper, and he looks up, and he sees the hills are alive with people who want to kill him. He looks at it, and he sees this scene. He's like, oh, my goodness. We're about to die. This is not good. This is the worst thing ever, and this is terrible. And so he goes into the house, and he's like, alas, master. We are surrounded. What are we going to do? Elisha, he says, God, I pray that you would help him to see. Thank God. I like, no, I do see. That's the problem. I see a huge issue. I see a huge problem. Now, listen, God doesn't want you to pretend that what you're up against isn't real. Not at all. God doesn't want you to pretend that it's not real, it's not, it, it, that, it's, that it's not hard. It is hard. It is scary. You're, you're, you're not wrong. Hear me, hear me, somebody. You're not wrong for feeling stuck. That's a, that's a real feeling. That's a real place. 
that probably all of us have been in before. You're not wrong for feeling like I just don't know how much more I can keep doing this. What you can see is real. It's real. But the story, I think, is trying to say that what you see is not all that there is. He says, open up his eyes that he might see the unseen. Help him to get a grip on what is real. Because real reality isn't just your problems. Real reality isn't just your bills. It's not just your, 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 your teenager at school and you're being terrified of the decisions that they're going to make. Real reality is God's kingdom, God's work, God's will, his power, his plan. So Gehazi, who's so destabilized because he's lost his axe head, here into this situation, he's now given the ultimate hold on reality. He doesn't have to say, it's only in my imagination. It's only in my imagination. It's only in my imagination. No, he can see the soldiers, but now God gives him the ability to see past the soldiers and above, all around, angels ready, ready to enforce if they so much as make the wrong move, waiting on the command of God. Angels that, by the way, did not show up when Elisha prayed the prayer. Angels that simply became visible when he prayed the prayer. Translation, they were always there. They were always there. They were always stationed to keep track of these men of God, just like there are angels, I believe, that are ready, standing, surrounding us. What you can see, church, is not all that there is. God is there. God, God has never left you. God has never forsaken you. God is standing right there. Hallelujah. Please bow your head, if you will. Close your eyes with me in just a moment. I just ask you if you would be brave enough right now, if you feel like maybe you feel stuck and maybe you feel like you've lost a hold on reality and, and maybe in a spiritual or emotional, maybe if you feel like it, this, this, this is exactly what you're going through today, would you just raise up your hand right now? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.